I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. In this dirty old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying Now my girl, you're so young and pretty One thing I know is true You'll be dead before your time is due I know Watch my daddy in bed at night Watch his habit turn crazy He's been working and slaving his life away Oh yes, I Too. 
And good evening, fuckers, and welcome back to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast for part two. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my better psychedelic, uh, deplorable half. V-Lynn. Good evening, Patriots. They don't know this is part two, though, because they didn't see the first part because we got 35 minutes in and our internet went out. So we're back. We're back. It's scary, but we're back. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna do a round two here. Yeah, we're doing a part two. So, uh, like we started the last part, part uno. <laughs> Just <Once>. go. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna start it one way. We're gonna start it another way this time, uh, and I believe this is very applicable to today. I'm just gonna read it. I'll tell you about it at the end. And one way to think we think a great deal too much about the atomic bomb. How are we supposed to live in the atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in the Viking age where the raiders from Scandinavia might have landed and cut your throat at any night. Or indeed, if you already living in an age of cancer, age of syphilis, age of paralysis, age of air raids, age of air railway accidents and the age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir, madam, you and all whom have already been already lived are sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was ever invented. And quite a high percentage of us are going to die in an unpleasant way. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors anesthetics but we've we have that still it's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of a painful and premature death that to to a world which we've already bristled with such chances and it and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty this is all the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together if we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing our children, playing tennis, chatting with the friends over a pint in a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. That was written in 1948 by C.S. Lewis. They I think try. it's very applicable for today. They try every day to dominate our minds. That's what the news media is all about. Sure do. So we start out tonight, uh, right off the bat, we're getting big and we're getting hard and deep, however you want to look at it. I know that just sounds bad and perverse, yeah, but it really that's does. exactly the way it's supposed to sound. Uh, starting out with uh, Michael Anton piece, wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal the other day, and I could not help but notice a lot of things between his piece and something 45 said to us just the night, the other night. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot of similarities in there. I don't know who did what, but anyway. I want to jump right into that because he makes some brilliant points in this piece. It is very long. Uh, it's called Afghanistan doomed from the start 20 years of the ruling class failure. And it's in the American mind and it was printed in the wall street journal. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is 10 pages long and my eyes don't move that fast. So I'm just going to hit the big, I'm going to hit the wave tops for you. 
Uh, you scan down the page, the first page in the context of the day when the response to 9-11 was required, but what response? The Bush administration's initial answer was sound, even brilliant. Push Al-Qaeda and the Taliban sponsors with a lightning quick campaign led by the smallest possible American force acting to multiply the effectiveness of several indigenous Afghan armies. It failed ultimately because the failure of the nerve or of execution from the naive. Uh, it's hard to say what exactly failed. All we know is that Osama bin Laden and his senior lieutenants fled to the caves of Tora Bora and somehow managed to get out. Uh, this is all spot on. I mean, that's exactly what our initial reaction was. If you remember, we sent approximately, I believe it was 35 special forces teams into Afghanistan and uh, they went all over the country fighting uh, the, uh, with the Northern, gathering up the Northern Alliance, training them and then fighting the Taliban. And uh, Tora Bora, well, that's another shit show. We'll get into it at a later date. Uh, we'll have to talk about that one because uh, that one has uh, some other things I have choice words for. Uh, but if you fast forward through, it goes to the unsayable truth. The unsayable truth was the alleged practical necessity uh, was to arise from the alleged fact of what Donald Trump would later call controversially the radical Islamic terrorism uh, would never go away until unless the countries from which it came from were radically changed, i.e. secularized, westernized, and democratized. Um, that is so true. Uh, who said that Afghanistan was ready for democracy? We kind of alleged that on our own. We kind of just said, okay, well, here's a good dose of democracy. Deal with it. We're going to jam it in your ass, and you're going to deal with it. Kind of like what they're doing with us and the Jap. Look. You're going to take it. You're going to like it. You're going to get nothing for it. So it's kind of like what the Axis tried to do with communism. Exactly. Very. Actually, that they were not part of the Axis. No, but I'm saying that the the Russians and that what the Chinese are trying to do now with communism. But yeah, but they weren't Axis though. You got to remember, originally they were not Axis. They were allies. In World War II, they, they were not a part of communism. They were not a part of the Axis. Okay, you're, you're... no, I'm not, because you said the Axis. The Axis meant the Germans, the Italians, and the Japanese, and that's what they were trying to do with communism. The Axis and the Russians were trying to do with communism, but the Russians weren't trying to do that in World War II. They, were, they were trying to trying do that post World War II. Yes. Well, get it right. Just I'm say post World War II. Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's a stickler for the details. I know. I, I hate it. So essentially, who said that? You know, because I don't think they were ready for it. I don't think anybody thought they were ready for it. They didn't want it. They didn't ask for it. The second was the alleged alleged obligation arising from the use of force and self-defense or, or as it was, just retaliation. I mean, think about it. What were we doing in Afghanistan originally? If you think about it, originally in Afghanistan, we were we went there to avenge everyone who was killed during 9-11. Okay, so my question ultimately becomes, and it's the same question I've asked for years. Uh, my wife will, she'll sit there and say, yep, he's asked the same question. Why don't we just go in there, fuck him up and leave? It's not our place to fix him. It's our place to go in there, cause a problem, fucking kill a bunch of them that killed us, and then walk out. Why didn't we just do that? If we had, we wouldn't have lost as many soldiers as we lost in 9-11 in the first place. But this is the part. One of the things that the Bush administration got right was a steadfast refusal to allow multiple of 
international louboutins to tie down the American Gulliver and its moment of crisis. Sympathetic headlines such as Le Mans' Nos Somos Tos Americanas, which is basically the Americans came, the Americans saw, and the Americans killed. Um, Aside, it quickly became clear that most of the rest of the world wanted some say, in many cases, a veto over the American response. The Bush Bush administration initially would have none of that. However, they would give into it later on. And they did. We did it in Iraq. We went into Iraq. Instead of just fucking shit up in Iraq and leaving, we went into Iraq. We fucked shit up. We got rid of Saddam. And we stayed there for the next 10 years. We went into Afghanistan. Same thing. Fuck shit up. And then we were there for another 20 years. Part of that was it took us 10 years to find bin Laden. And then when we found him, we killed him. Why didn't we pull out then? That's a great question. We whacked, we got the target we were looking for. We, we got our card deck. It's not up to us to bring peace across the world. It's up for the rest of the world to want peace. We're not the ones that, oh, we'll bring it. We'll shove it in your face. We'll shove it up your ass. We'll shove it up your nose like, Hunter does freaking Coke. We'll do it, all of that shit, and you'll like it. See, I think you're onto something there. Why did we stay? What did Afghanistan have that we wanted for 20 years? Uh, not a lot that I can think of. I've been there a bunch. Drugs. As you pull down in the story, it goes to President Trump came into office promising withdrawal, but repeatedly hesitated for reasons which ought now must be abundantly clear. And if you're not clear about it, I've got a friend. His name's Bubba. He's going to be around a little bit later. He's got a ball peen hammer. He'll be there to smash you in the front of your frontal lobe to make sure that you understand what he paused for. To all those who felt betrayed by his hesitation, he wasn't lying when he said things would look different from behind the resolute desk. He knew in his bones that a hasty, ill-considered withdrawal might lead to the fiasco we're witnessing right now. And he didn't want this on the record of his conscience. His four years in Afghanistan policymaking may be characterized as groping for a way to get us out without triggering a country's collapse or its regime, uh, yeah, reemergence of a terrorist, uh, sanctuary. So again, I can't disagree with any of that. He really did do that. He walked into Afghanistan. He said the same thing. He's like, look, we, we just, when he realized what the situation actually was on the ground, he said, yeah, we just, we can't just up and pull out. We've got to do this right. And when he figured out the right way to do it, he tried to push the right way to do it. Uh, whether anybody was listening or not, that's a, no, I can't guarantee that. But, well, I mean, obviously Biden hasn't been listening to his security for military intelligence, any intelligence for this whole time. Well, we'll get there. We'll get into that. But Machiavelli wrote a little bit piece. He talked about the Romans. He said the Romans made their wars short and big. We Americans have taken making our wars long and small. We inflict pinprick strikes over decades rather than getting to the whole thing over with, with getting to the whole thing over within a matter of days or weeks, which we very well could have in both Iraq and Afghanistan. A better, better strategy right after 9-11 would have been what we did, but finish the job at Tora Bora and then leave immediately with a note on the fridge saying, if you do anything like this again, we will be back quickly with an overwhelming force and we'll leave just as quickly. We will do that as many times as you make us do it. 
and basically stating the same thing I brought up initially. Walk in, fuck shit up, and leave. That's what we should have done from the get-go. That's what we should have done in Afghanistan. It's what we should have done in Iraq. And I, although I don't understand all of the things that led us into Vietnam, I will probably say that if we'd done that in Vietnam, it would have been straight. The Romans did that for years, and it worked. Nobody fucked with Rome. Nobody even thought about going against Rome because they knew that the Roman legions would show up and everybody would shit their pants. Except for your people. The Celts. The Celts, we we didn't. They they fucked with Rome. They didn't give a shit. Well, that's that's because Romans for breakfast, literally. We we had balls bigger than most people did back then. That's that's true too. Either way, ten pages. This is a great fucking article. People, go read it. Uh, Educate yourself. This is awesome. This is all good stuff. It. The guy, Michael Anton's done it again. Hats off to Bongino and his crew because that's where I got it from. Uh, But this is spot on. You you can't get any more you, you can't get any more on with what he's talking about here. This is all accurate. And how did this progress? Well, Trump had an art he was on Sean Hannity last night. The three things I just brought up, he brought up in his interview with Sean Hannity last night. He talked about meeting with the Taliban. And he told him, he said, Look, I know where your village is. And then he named the village just to prove his point to the guy he was talking to, his Mullah uh bin bin bar Baradar. And he told him, he's like, look, I know where your village is. Your village is first to go. You fuck around. I will drop a Moab over your village. And Ben Bardar knew exactly what he was talking about when he said Moab. And then he asked him, do you understand me? That's a ballsy motherfucker to sit there in front of somebody like that in the Taliban and say, you understand what I'm saying? I will eliminate you and your whole family from the face of the earth in one fell swoop if you ever try to fuck with us again. You mean like the same kind of ballsy motherfucker that walks into North Korea with no security? And- exactly. Yeah. Same dude. Yep. Same guy. Yeah. Same guy. That's it. Just in case you were wondering. Yeah, he did that. You know, it's that was him. It, it's interesting because Biden's trying to blame Trump and blame the Afghans, blame everybody. You know, he said the buck stops here, but it was Trump's fault and it was the Afghan military's fault. But the American people think that it was Biden's fault. Where are you getting that from? Uh, Rasmussen. Okay. Uh, Rasmussen. Go on, explain. Please, I'm dying. A new Rasmussen Reports national telephone and online survey finds that 51% of likely U.S. voters say Biden is more to blame for the Taliban taking over Afghanistan, while 38% say former President Trump is more to blame. 15% are not sure. So um, the last time Biden fucked up a pullout this bad, we ended up with Hunter. Zero effect, folks. Second time I'm hearing it, zero effect. It's a horrible joke. It's a great line. Come on. What? Hunter was the, Look, the Hunter was the strongest and fastest swimmer. Just saying. Your feet got to be killing you because you've been running through my mind all night long. That's a horrible line. Yeah. What you just said. It was awesome. I almost want to kill myself. That's- Fantastic. I, I am honestly thinking about suck starting a handgun tonight. Okay. Well, if I can make it look like a, a, a vaccine injury. A uh, murder-suicide? Oh, oh, vaccine. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Oh, I thought murder-suicide. No, I got I to make it look like something else so that I collect on the life insurance. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you'll have yeah. that. I don't think you'd collect anyway because I don't think they'd give it to you if you said it was a vaccine thing. Anyway. Uh, Probably true. The follow-on story was uh, how 
the Intel community right now is defending itself because, you know, Joe came out and said, well, we didn't know it was going to go like that, which is a complete lie. Look, folks, there were three things that were going to come out of this. The first thing was that Joe walked out of this unscathed, which I knew that was never happening. No, okay. That was never going to happen. Okay. The second thing is that he was being lied to by the intelligence community. Or he just didn't remember no, what they said. No, stop. Listen, he was being lied to by the intelligence community. The third thing is he was being lied. He was being told the truth and he just went ahead with it anyway. I think we're on the third thing. Yeah. Because he had this grandmaster plan that we walk out 9-11, 20, 21, 20 years after 9-11. And it's peaceful and everything's gracious. And this gets another four years for Democrats. Optics. Exactly. Now, folks, I, I had this revelation the other night and I was sitting there and I said, you know, I, we almost recorded last night and I probably should have now that I'm looking the way the fucking internet has been tonight, but <laughs> there was, I had this revelation and I said, you know, cause V Lynn brought up a very good point. She said, Hey, you know, this is a distraction. I said, no, I don't think this is a distraction. You know, now I'm more convinced that this is not a distraction. What is going on right now is everybody's tired of Joe. Joe's old news, folks. We know Joe's old. We know Joe's incompetent. We know that Joe couldn't find his way out of a brown paper bag. Joe's walking into bushes on the White House lawn. He doesn't even know how to get in his own house. And now he's so tired of Washington that now he's got to go back to Delaware and work in Delaware because he doesn't want to be around the White House. He doesn't sleep well there. Well, Plus, he and I wonder why that is. He and Cameltoe are like there. There's a hardcore war. Well, that we've heard. I mean, we've heard that, but I'm I'm hearing more of it too. Like he asked her to go and uh, stand behind him during his speech, and she refused. Said, "Oh no, you're not pinning that shit on me. Absolutely not." So what she I think, go. what I think is going on, is uh, and in a way, I kind of feel sorry for the guy, and in another way. Uh, I don't feel sorry for him at all because his family is really fucked up and he's got some real serious issues that he needs to go deal with. And what's going on right now is I think they are using this to get rid of him. This is, we're going to see 25th amendment being called in here shortly. We're going to see impeachment votes coming up and guess where, who the impeachment is going to be coming from. Ain't going to be coming from the right. Ain't going to be coming from a Republican. No. Republican ain't going to ask them to impeach Joe. This is going to be coming from the left. Somebody on the liberal side is going to vote and say, hey, uh, we kind of need to get See, rid of Joe. Now, the, the right's already put up um, impeachment. and No, they did not against Joe Biden. They put it up against the Homeland Security Secretary, not against Joe Biden. Okay. This will be- they the are they are writing right now impeachment articles against Biden on the right. And a story came out of Newsmax, lawmakers to probe Biden administration over horrifying Afghanistan outcome. Okay. Well, what they need to do is stop that. Let the left do it. Well, I think that they're going to put up a uh, 25th Amendment as soon as the impeachment comes now, out to save no, his no, no, legacy. No, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. What they need to do, again. What Republicans need to do, if any of you fucking morons are listening out there, please tell me you're listening. Conserve something for once. Stop the paperwork with the fucking impeachment proceedings. Make the liberals do it. 
There is, there's a method. There's a whole reason I'm saying do this. If you do this, you are now forcing the liberals to show their hand. You are now forcing the spades out of the back of their hand to trump everything else. You are now showing the American people, these people are full of shit. If nobody was convinced before, and then all of a sudden Nancy Pelosi walks forward with impeachment charges against Joe Biden, who, oh, by the way, is a liberal, and she's a liberal, this just goes to prove that this is all bullshit. It's been bullshit from the get-go. Let this go. Let them do their thing. Shut your mouths. Sit in the corner and color. Let this happen. This is, again, like sex with Kobe, folks. Let this happen. It's going to happen anyway. They're mm. going to do it because you know what they're going to also do at the same time that they do that? They're going to try and do what she said. That's really good and all. But once an impeachment hearing started, even if they call the 25th and they enact the 25th, he can still be brought up on charges. They proved that with Trump. Correct. But no, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they, because they never brought up the 25th. What no, I'm saying, no, I mean that they can bring up they can continue impeachment even after he's out of office. Correct. So this is the point. Don't let them don't think don't let them think for a second a they're tar taking the high road because we know they're not taking the high road. That's out of here. But let make them do the make them do the legwork. And you all know that this is fucked up and wrong. You all know that what happened here is a spectacle. He was trying to cause a spectacle to make himself look like a god that walked on water. He thought he was a water walker. What he just found out is he's fucking drowning in two feet of water. Well, because he literally didn't plan anything. He thought everything was just going to be all, uh, what, peachy keen? That we were just going to walk out? Apparently, in, because he did it. In what world do you... Okay, let me back up. We spent $2 trillion training the Afghan army, right? We trained them to fight like we fight, with air support, right? You were some that, you, you trained some of them. Yeah. They fought with us with air support. But so, with us, they didn't do it themselves. They did it with us. Correct. So we pull our troops out in the middle of the night, pull out all of the air support, leave behind 10,000 American citizens and 76,000 Afghan allies that are now on the Taliban hit list. They're going door to door looking for them yeah. literally as we speak. And we expect the Afghan forces to defend our citizens with no air support that they have literally been trained to rely on. Well, it, no, there's there's How a lot of happen? there's a lot of other things there that when don't you pull civilians out before you pull out the but that, troops? That is not that's that I'm not arguing with. Because I'm not arguing what I'm about arguing. us getting out. No, no, no. No what? one is arguing about us okay, getting out of stop? Afghanistan. No, you let me finish. So the 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 big thing on the liberal side right now, fuck you too, especially on Twitter, they're all like, Oh, well, you know, um, Y'all said you wanted to pull them out. Now you have a problem with them coming out. No, we don't have a problem with them pulling the troops out of, out of Afghanistan. We should not have been there for this long, as you just said. What we have a problem with is the way that it was handled. The fact that they left behind 86,000 citizens and allies that they have now said they have no capacity to keep safe, none whatsoever. 
They pulled the troops out in the middle of the night, and now they have to send back, what, five or 6,000 more troops to try and get out the citizens that we left behind in the first place? Now we have more troops on the ground in Afghanistan than we had when Biden took office. How does that work? Well, again, first of all, uh, the will to fight and the instinct to fight is not something that you can just tell somebody to go do. You got to have it to begin with. And what the Afghan people lacked all the time and what Joe Biden's been told, like I told you folks, there's three outcomes here that could have happened. Either A, the intel community lied to Joe, which I know that's not the case because even Trump got the right word on that. Uh, B, um, Joe, the they didn't lie to him and Joe just said, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Or C, which is, you know, they they didn't lie to Joe or it was misunderstood or something along those lines. The point is, is I don't think anyone, I think the, the middle one is the one that happened, okay? He was looking for a 9-11, like, look, 20 years after 9-11, look at what I did. I pulled everybody out and everything is peaceful in Afghanistan. What Joe doesn't realize and what Joe has never done is pick up a history book and read anything about Afghanistan. Afghanistan has been fighting since the day the fucking country was founded. They have not seen a day of peace. They don't know what peace is. Even in Ramadan, they kill each other. And that's their most holy month. And they whack each other like it's going out of style. They because could care less. They, they have they uh, you, you had your chance. Life. You had your chance. Zip it. Sit down and shut up and color in the corner. Again, zip it. This crap that's going on right now with what happened is a complete ignorance to everything else that has been told to the, we've been talking about it for years, folks. This has always been, uh, it's been a standard thing. Look, you show up in Iraq or in Afghanistan, you replace a team, you get told the same thing that you told the last team when you left that, Hey, look, this, it doesn't matter what we do here because when we leave the whole shit's falling apart. Because even in the commando units, they had problems. They had problems like this, deserters, people not wanting to come back, people who didn't want to fight, people who fought and said, no, I, I don't want to be a part of this. There are thousands of Afghans that have died over there. There are thousands of Americans that have died over there. And nobody wants to identify the simple fact that Afghanistan was not ready for democracy. It was never ready for it. They are so worried about tribes and about who's got this and who's got what. And they're still about dick measuring. They're not about actually fighting a war to win, to occupy territory. And I'll say this again. The U.S. is not an occupying force. We are there. The armies are there to start a fight. You pick a fight. You go out there. You win the war. You come home. We're not there to stay the longevity of, of the whole case. Like Anton said, you know, pinpoint strikes. That doesn't work. Over time, that just gets old. People get used to it. Uh, that shit doesn't work. Our army was not built to be a nation maker. We don't go out and build a new nation. Our army goes in, we fuck them up really hard in the beginning, and then we turn around and we leave. That's it. That's the way our army has always been. Why in the last 20, 30 years, we try to go build democratic nations in states that quite honestly aren't ready for it. I don't understand. We should really go in, fuck them up and leave. 
Have a good day. Don't screw with us again. You do this again. We'll be back next time. We we kill you. I mean, think about what Trump said. Trump told the guy, he's like, look, I know the village. And then he named the village to the Taliban. Uh, uh, it was uh, Mullah. Uh, shit. I, who cares? Mullah, who cares? We, we, literally, he sat there and said, I know exactly where your village is. And then named the village. You want to bring somebody back to life really quick and like make them realize that, like, look, I'm not fucking with you. That's the way you do it. If I were to talk to you and say, uh, I'm going to hit your house. And then I call out your house exactly on the street, the number and everything about your house. Uh, all of a sudden you're going to come to Jesus real quick and be like, Ooh, this some bitch might know something. This is my point. They had to do this. It's Trump had the right idea. Let's do it in the winter. Let's withdraw in the winter. Let's be gone before the spring, because the spring is when they get their mobility back. The spring is when they have the, the chance to do something. And we can maybe reinforce the Afghan army with drones flying from wherever. That saves a lot of American lives, and it's a drone. Who cares? So, again, it's just the fact that he's claiming that he didn't know, that's all bullshit. That is 100% bullshit. I know he's been told the same thing. Every leader in Afghanistan has been told since the day I ever stepped foot in that country. Everybody knew that this country is going to fall apart when we walk out. We just can't walk out of this place like that. Not after you put as many soldiers as you did, as fast as you did into this country. And literally, we ramped up all over the country. We had bases everywhere, popping up everywhere. Trust me, I've been to most of them. I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know this post existed. I've been to some Italian posts out in the East I didn't even know existed. And then I've been out in the West where I didn't think I could get any closer to Pakistan. Shit, twice I thought I was in Pakistan. So, it's... It, this crap has been going on for years, whether it was the military industrial complex, whether it was Trump, whether it was Biden, whether it was Bush, whether it was Al Gore, who gives a shit? The point is, is it happened? Now, what you don't do is what we just did. You don't leave like we did because one of the guys, I, I'll never forget it too. It was uh, one of my deployments over there. Uh, one of the Afghans I was talking to and he said, you know, if you all just pull out, and a whole bunch of us get killed, you know what you did, right? And I said, no, what do we do? He said, all you did was make a bunch of new martyrs because now you've got a bunch of people that are pissed off that dad died. And now his kids are going to be looking for retribution for his dad. And if you don't think that shit's real, I can tell you another story. When I was up in Northern Iraq, um, up in Missoula, right after the end of the war, like we had, just taking the Missoula airfield and everything else out of nowhere. One day we're sitting at our little outpost and, uh, all of a sudden all these people came, we heard like a wedding going on. And when weddings happen in Iraq, they shoot guns up in the air. Anyway, uh, out of nowhere, like a firefight erupted. And I was like, what the hell was that? And so of course we jumped in our Humvees. We drove out there and, uh, we showed up and this one Iraqi dude told me that, yeah, oh, these, these guys were, they used to be fading. I said, used to be. Fadeen, meaning they were the special troops under, uh, what's his name? Uh, Saddam. Saddam. And uh, I said, used to be. I said, what do you mean used to be? He's like, uh, 20 years ago, they were in the Fadeen. I was like, 
so what's the deal? He's like, well, like, yeah, like 20 years ago, they killed this guy's brother. I was like, they've been holding a grudge for over 20 years. He said, yeah. He said, it's all part of Sharia. I was like, oh shit. That is how serious they take this religion. It's not a joke. If you wrong them at some point, they're going to come get you. It It's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of when, it's just a matter of time. It's when they can get to you. And then they'll come get you and they'll kill you. It's just the way that they don't view human life the same way you and I do. We, every life is precious. Them, eh, all is well. Eh, inshallah. Well, you know. We'll see what happens. Everyone's worried about the, the women in Afghanistan now as, as they should be. Yeah, because cause they're fucked. Under Sharia law, they have no rights. They well, are well, less than... According to women. the Taliban, they're, they're going to protect the rights of women as far as Sharia law allows. <clears throat> that means, oh, okay. Which you know what that means? Not at all. That means they still get their heads cut off. That means they are no longer allowed to go to college, to drive a car. To Be educated, to any, any do anything but sit in the nope. kitchen, cook, yep. clean, and color. And breed babies. To, that's it. And that's even a rarity too because everybody's talking about these wives that they, they don't take wives. Dude, 90% of the Afghan guys over there are gay. They all love cock. Really? Women are for work. Dudes are for play. Telling you right now. Siddiqui, when they do Siddiqui, that's, I, I, I don't know how else, to, how better to say that, hey, look, that's Siddiqui. Okay. And they literally give you this sign when they say Siddiqui? Siddiqui? No, I'm not your friend, bud. Nope. We're not friends like that. That ain't happening. Interesting. Yeah. So they don't, they don't take forced wives. Trust me. They don't want wives. They take wives. Don't get me wrong. They have like 20 wives, but, and like hundred kids, but they don't force anybody into any wife. It's normally all arranged. Uh, well, I mean, I heard the Taliban are going door to door and uh, taking girls to wives as young as 12. Well, yeah. I mean, that's an arranged marriage. Seems forced. Uh, they graduate high school, babe, when they're nine. Okay, that's not high school. That literally is high school for them. Okay. Education level down here. Sexual level up here. Uh, sexual gay level, like, way up here. Well, isn't homosexuality illegal under Sharia Shari- Shari- That's law what I well? thought, too. Because all the gay and trans over there, the ones that have come out openly. Yeah, they get whacked. Yeah, they're they, on the they shopping get shot and well. thrown off top buildings. I've seen it. Yeah. So it's it's okay as long as you don't talk about it. They they have the don't ask, don't tell policy. I'm guessing. That's where I'd be on it. Well, maybe Millie should go over there and, and educate them on... Uh, well, no, I, I think he needs to go out there to go over there to find out about his white rage. Yes. But what did he say? He had something interesting to say. He, he did. He's such a... Here we go. You sure you got it queued up? Because well, the last time you tried to queue this up, spinning you again. shot... Our- I literally have it right here, and it's spinning again. Okay. If I break the internet again, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Folks, if she breaks bed. the internet again, I'm going to bed. Yeah, no shit. Me too. Because <laughs> I'm done. I can't do a third take tonight. Uh, I can do two. Yeah, no, I'm Three, I, we're kind of out of the picture. Currently, the security situation at the airport is stable. However, there are threats, and we're closely monitoring those. At any moment, 
they could happen. We can identify them. If we identify them, we will take immediate military action without hesitation in accordance with our rules of engagement. And the Taliban and every other organization in that country knows it. The Taliban are in and around Kabul right now, but they are not interfering with our operations. Through the State Department, the Taliban are facilitating the safe passage to the airport for American citizens, that is, U.S. passport holders. I have previously said from this podium and in sworn testimony before Congress that the intelligence clearly indicated multiple scenarios were possible. One of those was an outright Taliban takeover following a rapid collapse of the Afghan security forces and the government. Pause that right there. He is 100% full of shit. He put that so far down on the list. That's like number 20 on his list of possible options of what could happen. It should have been number one because I'm going to read this part to you real quick. And this came out. uh, The official added that we've always been clear eyed with this possibility of tactical conditions on the ground that that can evolve very quickly in this country. Numerous officials have reportedly insisted that key intelligence assessment had consistently informed policymakers the Taliban could overwhelm the country and take the capital back within weeks. Within weeks. They did it within three days. The country completely collapsed within 24 hours of combat troops leaving the area. The civil war and a third was a negotiated settlement. However, the time frame of a rapid collapse that was widely estimated and ranged from weeks to months and even years following our departure. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. Okay, I'm going to refute that one too. Then he wasn't paying attention. Just one quick sentence statement. One anonymous U.S. intelligence official told ABC News that the leaders were told by the military it would take no time at all for the Taliban to take everything, but no one listened. An anonymous senior congressional official said that the intelligence community assessment has always been accurate. They just disregarded it. So again, like I said before, three possible outcomes, and we know it's the third one or the, the B in this one, A, B, and C, and we know it's B. Joe knew what was going on, and Joe just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going for 9-11. That, I want 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened. And again, everybody said to me, well, and you said to me on more than one occasion, you were like, well, what is this a distraction for? This is not a distraction. I do not believe this is a distraction at all. This is literally a lead up to getting rid of Joe. His his approval numbers can't get any worse. Well, they can. I mean, I guess. As of today. He's, he showed us over and over again that they can get worse. Rasmussen reports daily presidential tracking poll for Wednesday shows that 46% of likely U.S. voters approve of Joe Biden's job performance. 54% disapprove. And the one I saw yesterday was 31% and they're the, I think it's a Reuters one and they're, they're tracking his numbers, 31% and uh, a grand total. I think it's like 43% actually approve. It's like, dude, you're, or 31% approve, 43 disapprove, so on and so forth. And then there's the number in between, but it just goes to show you that his numbers can't get any worse, but yet he keeps trying to up it for us. I mean, 
he really does try to up the circumstances for us. He tries to show us, hey, look, there's some good stuff, guys. Some really good weed I'm smoking. No, that'd be Hunter. Uh, but it gets worse because remember, also remember what just happened earlier this year. Uh, January 6th, for instance, just after January 6th, uh, I believe uh, President Trump was taken off of Twitter, Facebook, where else? Everywhere, every social media platform he had, he was dumped from uh, because he said he had an insurrection at the White House, or at the Capitol. And then uh, on Monday, a Taliban spokesman uh, went out and said that the residents welcomed the Taliban. The situation in Kapul is under control. The jihadist group had used WhatsApp to disseminate their message to the Kapul residents before they entered the city to include uh, Facebook and other yeah. Other social media sites. So then my question becomes, well, wait a minute. You, you remove President Trump because supposedly you hold him accountable for what took place January 6th. Yet a confirmed terrorist group, people that we knew flew planes into the World Trade Center on 9-11, um, people that we know have killed American soldiers with nary or literal disregard. Um, you allow them to still have access to their accounts on Facebook and WhatsApp and Twitter. Yeah. Twitter says they were predominantly peaceful. Really? Yep. That's how Twitter qualified them. So, um, they, they let the Taliban official spokesman to live tweet Mujahideen terror, the acquisition of arms, storming the Afghanistan capital and the occupation of the presidential palace. Oh yeah. And sitting behind the, the desk, uh, there were a couple faces I recognized behind that desk because we were going after him for years and years. We just couldn't lure him out of the freaking mountains to drop a bomb on, on him. And I, I got into a conversation with a b- buddy of mine the other night uh, who's a new listener, BB. Welcome. And no, I'm not talking about BB meant Yahoo. Um, anyway, I, w- I was talking to him and I said, hey, do you recognize, recognize those guys on TV? And he's like, at first he was like, he looked at it, he's like, nah, not, oh yeah. And these were like big time targets we have been working at for years that we were trying to get them out, coax them out of the mountains to get them to come down and open themselves up so that we could hit them with a a drone strike. And we didn't have to, you know, launch a major operation to kill these guys. And uh, yeah, it just never happened. Leave it to retarded Joe Biden to go ahead and sucker him right out of the mountains, put him in the open. And now we can't do anything about it. I'm just saying, and these guys are pretty horrible people. So just throwing that out there as well. Well, now they're occupying the presidential palace with our weapons that oh, yeah. and they're working for them. They're working in the working out in the gym. Do you see that video? Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and they're and they're and they almost killed each other. And, oh, that was hysterical. And they're on, um, Couldn't stop laughing. Bumper cars yep. and oh they're they're having a grand old time. Oh yeah. Taliban's yeah, having fun. Absolutely. Well, I mean, why not? Right? They're 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 doing their thing. They've conquered their country, and now they have more American weapons. Hell, their leaders flew back to Kabul on a C-17, on our C-17, and it wasn't an American pilot piloting it either. Well, how about you get this one, too? This is even worse. Uh, Ashraf Ghani rolled out. Oh yeah, yeah a, he's like gone. a couple of days ago, he he took a plane and some cars and his staff and so and he jetted to a country. He's he's a Afghanistan a president in exile ex, now. Ex vice president, mm-hmm. the Afghanistan ex vice 
president declared himself in charge of the country now. Does the Taliban know that? Well, he's a part of the Taliban. Oh. Yeah. Well then. No wonder Ghani jetted out as soon as he could. Because if that's not an inside job, I don't know what is. As per the Constitution of Afghanistan, in his absence, the escape of the resignation of the death of the president, the uh, FVP, first vice president, becomes the caretaker of the president. So Lee tweeted, I'm currently inside my country and I'm a legitimate caretaker of president. And I'm reaching out to all the leaders to secure support for the consensus. Salih appears to have been joined by uh, Ahmed Mahsoud, son of a legendary lion of Panjar, and uh, Ahmed's son, uh, Shah Mossad, a guerrilla commander who fought Soviet forces inside Afghanistan. The lion subs subs subsequently fought the Taliban regime and was killed in 2001. The video appeared Monday on Twitter and other social media platforms reporting to show Shalah and Masood along armed associates on a war footing while boarding a military helicopter. Boy, it sure is easy to conduct a successful coup on the government when the vice president is secretly part of the enemy, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Well, no, he's the ex-vice president. So he's the he was under Karzai, apparently. Even still. Yeah. But he rolled right in. There's a, there's a, a little bit of a parallel there. So former Tri Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn told Justin News there's a possibility that the Civil War breaking out in Afghanistan and the North being controlled by fighters while the South is being run by the Taliban. Because you got to remember, in that country, it is very divided in that way, in that aspect, geographically speaking. The North is not... They're... they're, they're Farsi, it's completely different. You got Pashtun Wali in the south. You got Farsi in the north. It's a way different, way different sect of Afghanistan. Um, is there a possibility that happens? Uh, not for the time being. I think right now the Taliban have got this pretty much well in hand. Uh, I see it happening maybe in a year or so uh, when there's arguments about who's doing what for what and food and water and this, that, and the other thing after they've looted and raided everything else and there's no more money to go around and everybody realized, well, shit, we're screwed. Um, I see that being a possibility, but right now off the top, no, I don't see a civil war breaking out. I don't see a civil war breaking out for a while. Well, you know how we, we always go by that 10 year uh, time frame. Well, that's only with movies. That's true. But um, Julian, Assange, Julian Assange said this uh, 10 years ago about the function of Afghanistan. The goal is not to completely subjugate Afghanistan. The goal is to use Afghanistan to wash money out of the tax bases of the United States, out of the tax bases of European countries, through Afghanistan, and back into the hands of a transnational security elite. That is the goal. I.e. the goal is to have an endless war, not a successful war. An endless war, not a successful war. I, I agree with him to an extent because there's a bit of that that we're finding out now really did happen. There's some whistleblowers that have come out talking about Humvees that were placed on trains. They sent five down. Let's just say they sent five down. Uh, they were talking about one guy who was talking about Lashkar Gar, and he sent you know a bunch of Humvees down. And let's just say it was five of them. Only two of them actually arrived. Well, where did the other three go? He was told not to ask any questions about that. And that was just to be chalked up to a battle lost. Um, and he said, well, I have to report the battle. And uh, he was told to make up some battle. 
and now he's coming out telling all all about this. It's all going everywhere. But there is more to what Flynn said, and I'm I'm going to read this. Was real that quick. is his name Rich? Because I've been talking. I, to I don't a, know a whistleblower on Twitter, and I'm going to be bringing him on the podcast soon with similar, if not the same, information. Uh, okay. Yeah. There are some capable forces in Afghanistan. They're primarily special operations forces that have been trained. They're very good. Flynn told John Solomon uh, reports podcast. And I know some of these guys and I know they certainly know their commanders. So I know they'll be fighting today and they're, they're actually taking a few losses, but will stay in the country and the country will likely, will likely, uh, uh, bifurcate, meaning it will split kind of along the lines it used to be, you know, where you have the sort of the North South divide. This is true. I agree with him. Like I was just saying, there's going to be kind of a sort of a North South divide. However, um, the way the government gave up is where my worry is because, uh, you had police regiments, you had army, you had the commandos, you had so many other different units within the government. And it kind of seemed there that like, they all just kind of had a cooperative effort to give up, to not fight, to not pick a fight with the Taliban. So Mike, is this kind of like Iraq where they kind of subdue themselves back into the populace? And then when it turns around, it becomes a time to fight, they fight? Or is this like, like an insurgency, like a true insurgency where they fall back into the populace, they disappear, they become part of the populace, and then all of a sudden one day they come back and they F you up from behind. I, I, I don't know exactly where this is going to go. I don't see the Afghan people being able to carry out an operation as such without asking our assistance or asking another country's assistance. And uh, I, honestly, I think if that had been the plan, they wouldn't have left their weapons for the Taliban. See, and that's where my problem with it is. Why why not take your guns? Yeah. It's why did or, you leave your guns? Or And they not... Okay, so Biden said they... And I'll play this in a second, but he said they just ran and left their guns. I don't think that's true. I think they sold them. Well, I don't know if they did that, but uh, that's that's my opinion. I'm not saying I have any evidence of it. I just I think they I think they sold them. I think they sold them to the Taliban. I think that they made a deal with the Taliban. Um, whether I, it was I, I think whether that, it was for money that, or for their heads, I either think way, that may have been part of the deal. I don't think that they just did it. Like like there was. As we talked about in the last podcast, there's been dealings. We know that. We know there were dealings in the background that even Trump wasn't aware of. That even after his meeting with the Taliban. And God bless it. If I hear freaking Biden say Taliban, like he like lived in a, Like I hate when people do that. Okay, hold on. Like wait, he was wait. living in that country for his whole entire life. And he's like, well, the Taliban. Like all of a sudden he starts to speak Afghan for like just a fraction of a second. You hear it everywhere else. Like, I mean, 90% of the time you hear like, well, in Nicaragua, w wait a minute, you just became Spanish all of a sudden. What the hell happened to you? <laughs> Nicaragua. What are you, are you serious? You're going to say it again? Well, Nicaragua. I, and then, you know, Joe Biden gets on in front of the type. Well, the Taliban, what you, you're now you're Farsi. So Joe Biden went and gave a speech. He came back from his vacation. For a day. For a day. Not even a day. It was 12 hours. To to give his speech, which we were going to play. And, I, you know, honestly, I think if we played it right now, I'd probably fall asleep. So I'm going to recap it. He said, the buck stops here, but it was Trump's fault and the Afghani forces' fault that this collapsed the way it did. 
in the nation of Afghanistan. Yeah, the nation he of blamed Afghanistan. All of Afghanistan. He, he did. It. He blamed everybody but himself. Um, and then he doubled down on that. So let's let's listen to how he doubled down. The last week. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the when the Taliban uh, let me back it put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen what? Afghans falling. Hold on, hold on, ago, stop, stop. Ago. Go back a little bit. Please go back about not even a minute. Not even like 30 seconds. Play that again because he literally didn't answer the question that the, even this moron Stephanopoulos was asking. Yeah, hold on. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. So you don't think this could have been handled? This actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. All right. What? You don't. You don't. You don't know how that happened. You don't know how that happens. Well, why don't you evacuate the civilians first? The 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 proof right there is, if anything, you just proved my point. The Democrats are eating their own again. They're literally leaving this guy out there to dry. Oh yeah. And it, they have no problem with it. Well, they're, they're completely cool with it. Again, full blown war in the White House between Camel Toe and and Joe. Joe and the Ho are on the outs. Big yeah, time. Uh, well, I'm just saying that. Like, here we go again, and they completely don't have an issue. Like, he ha they have no issue leaving him. Nobody. I've not. He's heard, the next Andrew Cuomo. I have not heard anybody come to his defense yet from within his own party. I haven't heard a peep out of Pelosi. Uh, one of the the deputy press secretary actually. Um, went on Twitter and, and basically threw him under the bus as well. I mean, this is just getting ugly there. I, I kind of feel bad for the guy because I don't think he's smart enough to realize what these people are about to do to him. They are literally pushing him in front of the bus because they know that he doesn't know how to follow anybody else. So he's standing in front of this bus and this bus is barreling down the tracks at like 2 million miles an hour. And he's about to get run over. And before he's impeached, yeah, they'll, they'll throw the 25th out there, but in that amount of time, though, what they can't stop is the impeachment. The impeachment is still going to happen because when it goes in front of the Senate, you know all 50 or, well, you know all at least 25 of those senators from the red states are going to vote to impeach and or convict. Uh, all we need is a couple Democrats. A, a couple Democrats will get on that side. That's why I go back to that original opinion I had 
about that, like telling the Republicans up there, look, stop. Do not file any paperwork. Make the liberals do this. If you let the liberals do this, all they're going to do is show the American people, look, this is all a playbook. We've been running with this playbook for like two years now. Let them run and trip and fall with scissors in their hands, please. Okay. This is literally breaking news right now um, from Raheem Kasim from the National Pulse. Okay. Exclusive. Joe Biden's State Department halted a Trump-era crisis response plan aimed at avoiding Benghazi-style evacuations just months before the Taliban takeover. So uh, Joe Biden's State Department moved to cancel a critical State Department program aimed at providing swift and safe evacuations of Americans out of crisis zones just months prior to the fall of Cabal. The Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau, which was designed to handle medical, diplomatic, and logistical support concerning Americans overseas, was paused by Anthony Blinken's State Department earlier this year. Notification was officially signed just months before the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. So uh, I ask, at whose order? Uh, this document is from the desk of the Dep- uh, Deputy Secretary of State, Brian P. McCune. Which means it was signed by Abe Lincoln, which means he got the orders from somebody else. Uh, action didn't... memo for the secretary. Yeah, but that uh, all that means, again, he got the orders from somebody else. My point, the point I'm making is that they literally talked Joe into letting this happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, it it happened. They, and now they have been planning. You know what? After reading this, now I I think you're you're right because this I, this was signed on June 11th, dated June 11th. They've been planning this for and a they hot under, minute. But National Pulse understands the decision the decision to pause the program may have come as early as February. Yeah, which you know goes back to. Everyone's like, oh, well, it was Trump's plan to get out. Even Biden said, well, this was Trump's plan to get out. May I remind you, Trump wanted us out by May 1st. Yeah. And he has stated since that his his original plan was to get out all the civilians, then get out all of the equipment, leave behind a, a small force, get out all the equipment, destroy the embassy and all of the bases, and then pull out the remaining troops. Biden obviously didn't follow that plan. But what did Biden do his very first day in office? Other than rescind all of like Trump's plans? Exactly. Uh, So if Biden, why would Biden rescind every single one of Trump's plan, but leave this one in place and then not follow it so that he can then blame Trump's plan? Come on. Come on, man. That just doesn't make any sense. And I know Biden doesn't make any sense ever anyway, but that really doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, I got another story here, and this one came out. Um, this came from, hmm, I'm actually trying to find out. I'm not really sure. Anyway, oh no, there it is. Substack. This came from a Substack article. Uh, big money funding operation. Um, Afghanistan vet reflects on the withdrawal of U.S. forces. The withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan nears apparent completion. Images of Bagram Airfield littered with deserted fleets of American-made vehicles ripe for the taking, whoever ends up with control of the base, uh, have come to exemplify the enormous waste of 20 years intervention that we're all leaving behind. After all, it was U.S. taxpayers in one way or another who subsidized the purchase and transport of these vehicles in a remote territory on the other side of the world. So in turn, the taxpayers are also under underwriting the acquisition of a nice new truck for whichever locals are first lucky and first to get it, right? 
Uh, but the withdrawal underway, many uh, inexplicably inexplicably pro-war pundits are dwelling on the Taliban's rapid retaking of the country territories across the country. Most much of the time without even needing to engage any combat this weekend, meet the press. Chuck Todd displayed a map following, following a scary looking map produced by the Nikon think tank. It's called red equals Taliban. Literally 90% of the map is red. For more context, I spoke to a U.S. veteran who worked for the Joint Forces Command, oversaw training of Afghan forces during the period of the war. Interview was, uh, has been lately edited and censored for clarity, but the individual asked to remain anonymous so not to run the risk of jeopardizing his disability status with the VA. He gives insight to the waste and the inability of U.S. forces uh, to hold territory. Uh, he showed some uh, viewed of aboriginal se- uh, uh, consequences of current withdrawal, but rather an intrinsic element of the entire intervention, which the withdrawal was merely crystallizing. Uh, he would sit in meetings because part of my position with the Joint Forces Command building of Afghan military police forces, the division I worked with was about training and policy for the Afghan police. And that also included arming and funding them. I don't think I could overstate that this was a system just basically designed for funneling funneling money and wasting and losing equipment. I would sit in staff meetings where it would be okay to, it would be okay to talk about this month. We had 14 armored Humvees down to Helmand province for border patrol. 12 of the 14 Humvees along the way went missing or quote unquote broke down or, and were disabled. And it was regular thinking like that majority of the shit we were adding to the inventory of the border patrol units just wasn't even making it there. Let me give you in a context of how fucked up the flow of information was. For example, a big part of my job was tracking the number of police recruits that could complete training, a training cycle, you know, every month or so, however many times a month I was there to make sure that dozens of different police training camps throughout the country, and they would have different training cycles in different groups of police. And then I contact those training facilities and be like, okay, how many police recruits were expected to graduate this month? How many actually completed the training and how many recruits showed up? And what was funny is the whole system of these training camps were operated by the U.S. military or were not operated by the U.S. military. They were operated by contractors like uh, MPRI or Dynacorp. And these contractors that were being hired through the U.S. State Department, even the DOD was paying for them. But it was the State Department that was not was hiring them. And then when it was made, it was even more ridiculous. The nature of these contracts made it in such a number that the actual training number figure could not be released to me, even though my job was to record it. I don't know if you understand, um, what a shit sandwich tastes like, or sounds like, or looks like, but that's what that is here. Here. This, this guy understands this is, um, Major General Hank Taylor. He's the vice director to logistics for the joint staff. There's no, no U.S. actions being taken to prevent equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban by destroying it or anything else. I don't have the, the answer to that question. don't have the answer. Let's play so that again. No, no U.S. actions being taken to prevent equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban by destroying it or anything else. I don't have the, the answer to that question. It- if I remember correctly, he's a brigadier general. He's a one star. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how they're pushing those guys out front right Ma- now. Major general. Yeah. He's no, no. He's a two star. Two, two star. Major general. Hank Taylor. Yeah. 
That's what my dad was, Major General. Yeah, it's two-star. Anyway, it's funny how they're pushing those guys out front, like speed bumps. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's got to have a pogue, right? Shit rolls downhill. So, uh, well. (laughs) Wow. I guess that's true even at the general officer rank. (sighs) Anyway, uh, there is more news going on in the rest of the world uh, outside of Afghanistan, but we had to start there because we got to get out of this place. I mean, that song, it's been something that I agreed with. Yes, we don't need to be in Afghanistan anymore. However, uh, what we just did was pretty fucking horrible, and we just bred a whole new era of insurgents and extremists and everything else that you could think, because now the mind melding that's going to go on with these kids and the way these kids are going to be brought up in the Taliban world, they're going to think their gravest enemy is right here sitting in this country and they're going to do everything in their power to get back here to kill us. Well, so just keep that in the back of your mind. They're going to be our neighbors soon, right? They don't have to wait very long to get back here to kill us. No, they can come right up through the southern border. They can come through the southern border, but they've also, they've approved so far 30,000 visas completely unvetted and untested Afghanis. And our governor here, hey, so Brian tell me Kemp something. said, we're, we're happy to take Afghani refugees. Bring them, bring them to Georgia. So, hey, tell me something um, about that. How are they supposed to vet them? Because they don't have birth certificates or social security yeah, cards. Yeah, How the fuck yeah. do we know? We left behind all the other shit, too, that we track our Afghan civilians and everything else with. So we we have no idea to find out. That's how the Taliban is finding them right now, because we left all that information behind. Like, literally, the guy that blew me up some 20-something years ago, um, I found out seven, eight years ago that uh, he was actually found in America. The guy that actually built that bomb, they actually got a, a fingerprint off of it. And, uh, some DNA and, uh, apparently this guy was in Kentucky doing something. And, uh, when they ran his prints and they ran his, uh, DNA came back to a certain name and the name popped the face and everything else and everything else came into, uh, fruition. And I saw a report about it and I had actually got on a computer and emailed, um, FBI agent that was actually investigating. And I said, uh, hey, I know who that guy is. And the guy emailed me back. He said, how do you know who this guy is? I said, he blew me up. And uh, he was like, well, that changed everything. The second I said that, that changed everything. Next thing I know, I'm on a plane out to Kentucky. I had to go talk to this agent and a couple other agents. And then I, next thing I know, I'm sitting in the back of a car and I'm watching some guy come out of a store. I'm like, yep, that's him. And sure enough, yeah, it's the same fucking dude who's back here in the States. He's been hiding here. They haven't been able to find him in Iraq, and they found him here. And I'm sitting there going, what are the fucking chances that I went through everything I went through, and I get to actually sit here and point the motherfucker out, and I can't shoot him? What are the chances of that? Okay, it's it's a very small world, and Mohammed proves that. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So, okay, here's a, a quick Mick and Velan story, actually. So, um, I think we've told this one before though. Maybe, but our, our newer listeners probably haven't heard it. So I was, uh, I was working at the hotel. I was on the phones one day and, and a brand new engineer comes in. He's an Afghani refugee. Um, this was probably what, seven years ago now. 
and uh, yeah, seven, eight, eight, eight years, years ago. Eight years ago. And I had a coffee mug next to me with mixed picture on it. And it's one of those mugs where you put hot liquid in it and the picture shows up. And anyway, so. Well, it's one of my deployed pictures. Yeah. So I have full, a full beard, full beard, whole bit. Right. Whole thing. And, and I'm so, wearing sunglasses. So this brand new engineer, Mohammed, walks in and stops dead and turns white, right? He is not a white man to begin with. Um, but he turns pure white and he looks at me and he goes, why is the white devil on your coffee cup? And I said, the white devil, that's my husband. And he said, you know, the white devil. I said, again, that's my husband. And he was like, oh shit. And for the next seven years, cause he quit about a year ago. Um, Every time I asked him. That's too him, bad. He's a good dude. He is. He got a better job somewhere else. But anytime I asked him to do anything, he would literally drop whatever he was doing and run to do whatever I asked him to do. Even if he was doing a project for my boss, oh, no, no, no. I took precedence because the white devil might come after him. <laughs> but that just goes to show you because Mohammed actually worked with Mick in country. He was one of his interpreters. He was actually the captain of the interpreting squad that uh, work directly with mixed teams. So it's a very small world. So if you think that some of those Taliban fighters that might have gone after or you vets out there that listen to us, and I know there's a lot of you that, you know, you might have been going after in Afghanistan, they they could end up being down the street from you. Um, you know, your, your neighbors. Buy guns now. Your cohorts, whatever. Um, so keep your eyes peeled because... Shit's about to get real, really real. A lot, and we live in an upside down clown world. I don't know how shit could get even worse. But as Obama said, uh, Obama, tr trust Joe to what fuck everything up. Oh well, he he has. It's obvious. He really has. He but, could not fuck things up worse. I, I can't say that because I'm tempting fate. He can fuck things up worse. So you asked me a question, almost. I ask you many questions. But you ask me a big one, like almost every episode. You ask me one question at the end of every ever at the end of every episode that you always have to like you're getting at me about something because I said, Hey, we gotta show some tactical patience on this real quick. I have no patience, never mind tactical patience. I, I know that, but what's the question you always ask me? Why? No. What? No, you always ask me, where is... Where is Durham? All right. So I'm glad you brought that up because now <laughs> I finally fucking have an answer for you. So this came from uh, uh, this came from the Wall Street Journal. Durham Probe uh, has finally reached, obviously, as we know, it went to grand jury. Uh, and uh, what we found out is not good because there's about to be a whole bunch of shit, a wrath of shit that's about to come down on the Durham Probe. Um, what sparked Russia's investigation examines the FBI tipsters. Durham probe of what sparked Russia's investigation examines FBI tipsters. Okay. The special counsel is expected to submit a final report in the coming months. John Durham, 2018 U S attorney for Connecticut has been reviewing the investigation into rough Russian interference in the 2016 election. Um, he was appointed by Trump administration to examine the origins of the FBI 2016 Russian probe and is presenting evidence to a grand jury, preparing a lengthy report expected to be completed in the coming months, according to people familiar with the matter. Durham's review, which began May of 2019, uh, has led to one prosecution to date, 
and has gone no longer than two year tenure, which the counsel Robert, Robert Miller, who in May 2017 took over the investigation of the Russian interference and in the 2016 election. Durham has been examining potential criminal charges against several lower level FBI employees, people who weren't in the government, according to people familiar with the matter. Durham is also expected to deliver a report by the end of the summer, though the target is likely to be there's likely to be a bunch of pushback. Some of the same people have said the special counsel regulations require that Durham have reported the status of the investigation and submitted proposed by July 1st, of the next fiscal year that begins in October. Attorney general Merrick Garland then would determine whether the investigation would continue to establish another line of budget. A justice, uh, justice department spokesman declined to say whether Mr. Garland has decided to allow Mr. Durham's probe to continue beyond September and approve another budget. Just remember, if he doesn't approve the budget, it doesn't matter. If he's got the evidence to put in front of a grand jury, guess what? He can still go to a grand jury without a budget. He doesn't need a budget to go to the grand jury. He just needs a budget to continue investigating. Exactly. So the big thing here is that right now, if I read down, if I read properly, which I think I pretty sure did, um, right now, people familiar with the matter are have announced that 27, 27 employees of the FBI will be brought in front of a grand jury between sometime between September and December of this year. Interesting. Lower levels, not meaning directors, but that means everybody below a director. That means they're going to sing like canary. So guess yes. what's going to happen to the people above them? Oh, they're all going to go down. Because in, so, this, in this case, shit rolls uphill. Durham is on it. He's not stopped. The guy's still going. I, this guy's like the Energizer bunny. Seriously. Literally, he's got a battery and he just keeps going and going and going and going. It's just not going to stop. I don't know when it's going to stop. I gotcha. Um, you know, interesting about the FBI and, and Russia and the whole investigation there. So I don't know if you all might have heard about another one of Hunter Biden's laptops. Well, yeah. Right. There's the other one with the video on it that tries to clear him from there's everything else. a third yep. one. Okay, so this is an exclusive uh, from The Federalist. The FBI knew of Hunter Biden's missing laptop as early as December of 2019. Which one? The first one, second one, or third one? Well. Because there's the one with the hooker that he was banging in the butt. Hold on. The FBI knew as early as December 2019 that Hunter Biden believed Russians had stolen his laptop which he believed made him vulnerable to blackmail because of compromising evidence on the laptop combined with his father's presidential ambitions. This explosive revelation establishes that either Joe Biden lied to the American public or the intelligence community lied to him. When the New York Post went public in October 2020 with videos, text messages, and emails from an abandoned MacBook laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, Joe Biden told Americans the laptop was a Russian hoax. But now Brian Della Roca, an attorney representing John Paul Mac Isaac, has told me the video of Hunter Biden telling a prostitute he thought Russians had stolen a second laptop, leaving him susceptible to blackmail, was, quote, definitely on the hard drive of the Biden MacBook abandoned at Isaac's shop and later seized by the FBI. So 
based so before the laptop that appeared that showed up at the the blind dude's shop there was another laptop okay so hunter hunter went on a bender in Las Vegas to the tune of like 10 grand a night and a, what he called a russian honeypot set him up he passed out in a drug and sex induced coma and when he woke up, his laptop was missing. Oh, I thought he woke up and he's looking for Parmesan cheese in the carpet. No, no, not that time. Oh, he he okay. woke up and his laptop was missing. And this Russian hooker was like, I don't know what happened to it. And he was, and apparently he'd been, you know, doing blow with some of her Russian friends that night. So he assumed that the Russians had stolen his laptop. So... There's a video on the laptop that showed up at the the MacBook store, the repair shop, of Hunter freaking out, saying that his laptop had been stolen by Russians. This is where the whole freaking Russian laptop narrative came from in the first place. Hmm. Two laptops. I'm sorry. Three. Not two laptops. Three laptops. Who loses three laptops Full of porn, damning evidence. I mean, who does that? Chinese swindling, you know. Seriously. The big guy paying for everything. Ev- literally everything. Who loses three laptops I- full of criminal activity? It makes me think that he wanted to get caught. That he wanted no, to no, no. kill his father's presidential ambitions. Or he wanted to bury him. Maybe because of... I, All the I, fucked up shit he's gone through in his life. I actually, and I actually, may, maybe, I actually, no, nope, stop, 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 stop. Maybe it's I subconscious. actually think something different. That I, he's just such a fucked up drug addict that he. No, no, would you stop? Okay, would you let ahead. me finish? Sure. I actually think something different. I think that he. All right. I think there's probably two that he lost. One he left in the Mac shop. The other one got stolen. The third one is one he had on backup. He made a more recent video to cover one and two up to try and disprove one and two because they know they already have control of the national media and they know they can put that narrative out over the media. When you have control of the media like you do, you can make that narrative stick where every dumb American sheeple is walking around who still has a mask on their face is saying, oh yeah, Hunter Biden's a good kid. He's the smartest man Joe knows. And you're still wearing a mask because, well, Joe told me to. Uh huh. And that's where I walk by and I say, and I just let that go. Well, according to the Federalist, Joe Biden surely received briefings on these risks about the Russians potentially having Hunter Biden's laptop. Well before his October 2020 denial of the authenticity of the laptop. So the question is, did the FBI fail to provide Biden a truthful briefing on this intel or did Biden fail to level with voters? I'll go with number two. Judging by what just took place in Afghanistan. Door number two. I will. I I would be right there behind you. Because Biden has never told. I'm sorry. Biden only tells the truth when he is completely in his dementia riddled state. Right. Like when he said, we developed the most inclusive voter fraud organization this country's ever known. Scheme. But or yeah. whatever, you know. Um, he he tells these, or or when he said that uh, 
what by in, he's in the been next, in Congress for 120 years. In the next couple of years, every single ICU bed in this country will be filled with a dementia patient. That's true too, because that's what the jab's bringing. But you know, Biden likes to tell the truth at the most inconvenient times. But in this case, but now you've just made my reason for why the Democrats are looking to get rid of him. Because he keeps you telling the truth. Literally, just made my reason for absolutely. That is the reason why they're getting rid of him. How they're doing it? They're letting him step on his own prick right now. Yeah. And I have yet to hear a liberal come out in his defense. I've yet to see Nancy Pelosi take the stand. You know what? I haven't seen a Nancy Pelosi daily briefing in a while. She has not come out and said, hey, you know what? The speaker's going to give her daily briefing. Nope. I haven't seen it. So Why? Well, let me ask you this. When Biden's out, which I think is going to be sooner rather than later, um, are they going to go? Obviously, they're going to try and push Camel Toe as president. Is that when they go the route that she's not eligible because she's not a natural born citizen of the United States? I, I think they let her go for a week or two, see what she does. Before they pull that one And out. then uh, depending on how she does and who she picks for a vice president, that's when they decide whether or not they're going to pull that one out. Big because Mike? Uh, I don't think it's going to be Big Mike. No? You don't think we're going to see an Obama return to the White House? Nope. No? Nope. Who do you think it's going to be? Hillary. Who do you think's behind all of this right now? On our side. I mean, we all know that George Soros is pulling the big strings. Obviously. But- Who's pulling the small strings in the the U.S.? the middle level? Yeah. See, the Clintons are just... No, they're not. They're like the mob. Exactly. That's why they're perfect where they're at. They're quiet behind the scenes. They're pulling the strings. Wait, you think Hillary left Washington, D.C.? You're higher than a kite. Clinton owns a home in Washington. She owns a home in New York. She owns a home in Arkansas. Are they still running drugs out of Arkansas? I have no idea. Probably. Probably. They're probably still doing it for the CIA like they were doing it before. So, I'm sorry, but you put Hillary in the White House and we really will have a civil war. I, I don't think it'll be a civil war. I think it'll be a revolution again, but... Yeah, whatever. Six to one half. We will dismantle the, the government one way or the other, but I, I don't think that Joe... Joe there's no way Joe that... Joe is not going to last the year. No, I don't... I don't I actually, honestly, I'm being 100% honest with you, and I've put money on it. I'm willing to bet he doesn't make it to October. I will be shocked if he makes it to October. Yeah. Because I don't think he's going to make it to October. So, I. Uh, because all of this is lining up way too perfect. There's uh, 90% of the time, you ask any cop out there, ask any police officer out there. Say, if you walk in, you find blood, fiber, uh, fingerprints, and uh, DNA evidence, right? Let's just say you found that right off the bat. And the murder weapon. What is the problem with that crime scene? The problem with that crime scene, any cop will tell you, that's that's too perfect. One of those bits of evidence, I can understand. All five of them just showing up like that? No, there's no way in hell. No criminals that stupid. Exactly. This shit that's going on right now, this is too perfect. It is better than the perfect storm. It's better than three storms converging into one. This is one storm converging into just a fucking typhoon. And it's just looking to destroy everything in its path. And Joe is right in the middle of it. And he's just waiting to get destroyed. So 
we'll we'll bite our tongue. We're gonna wait and see what happens. But I'm telling you right now, they are lining up to stab him in the back. I've already seen it. CNN's already coming out. CNN's coming out against him. MSNBC's coming out against him. Uh, uh, was there apparently? Uh, oh man, I wanted you to download that one too. Uh, our, our my good friend, uh, uh, the guy who used to do nightly news on NBC. Uh, the white guy, Brian Williams, Brian Williams. Oh yeah. The I other, listened to that one the other the day. Other day he's sitting there and he's just like, well, you just heard that, you know, and he was talking to a guy, uh, the guy does, uh, uh, something minute, so, minute men soldiers or something like that. Like they produce, uh, affordable, low cost housing for, uh, homeless vets. And, uh, he's just like, well, you just heard the president out there, man. I thought that was a great speech. I thought he did the right thing. Blah, 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 blah. This, that, and the other thing. And then the guy goes, what are you talking about, dude? I was like, we must've been listening to a completely different speech. You, you have got to be the dumbest man I've ever met. Like literally he was talking about something and he was not taking any blame for anything that took place in that speech. And I'm sitting there going, holy crap, this guy's literally calling him out in the air. They couldn't shut him up. They couldn't turn it off fast enough. Oh, it was fantastic. But it was hysterical because Brian Williams, is, remember Brian Williams was back in the Jurassic period with the cavemen fighting with the freaking dinosaurs. So make sure we understand this properly because, you know, Brian Williams Guy's a superhero. He's been all over in time. Apparently, he's back when Lincoln lived, and uh, he he was at Fort Theater. Don't forget that he was under sniper fire. Oh, I know. In well, country. Well, yeah. I was just trying to say that he was providing like first aid to Lincoln after he got shot in the head in Fort Theater back in eighteen sixty four. But what do I know, right? Uh, were you going to play that? I was looking for it. I thought I had it. Well, I guess we don't. So anyway, we're going to move on though. Like I said, uh, folks, if you believe that we're losing. You're wrong. Uh, if you have that thought at all, if you're not defeated until you admit it, and I'm never going to admit it, so you, guess what? You're all stuck for the ride. So enjoy. Um, but for instance, this is a huge story just came out today. Uh, Connecticut GOP flips state senate seat in a district where Biden won by 25 points. And what would be an indicator of things to come for the 2022 midterm election? The GOP flipped a state Senate seat in Connecticut for the special election that took place on Tuesday night, the first flip of either party in 2021. State Republicans tonight delivered their first flip, the state legislative st session, a special election by either party in 2021. The Republican Party, Ryan Fiazzo, uh, Tazio, uh, defeated Liberal Democrat Alex Gavanter in Connecticut State. Senate District 36, a district Joe Biden won by more than 25% in 2020, which is huge, folks. We're flipping seats. This is what I was talking about before. Start locally, work your way up to nationally. I'm telling you, we get there. People are listening. I don't, I'm, I, this makes me so happy. I mean, for once, something we're saying over and over again, we've got to fight back. The only way you fight back is by getting involved. You can't just sit there on the sideline and hope that somebody else does it. You have to be the leader that you want to be. So if you've got something to say, get out there, say it. Um, like this dude in North Carolina who hacked the digital billboards with Joe Biden memes. Have you seen that? No, I have not oh seen that Oh my God, one yet. it's fucking hysterical. And to, to Red State, you know, we actually got a TV so that we could show clips. But unfortunately, the new soundboard that Mick ordered didn't we already talk about that? No, we talked no? about it in the first oh, one that didn't okay. go through. So the new soundboard that Mick ordered, unfortunately, uh, 
Amazon fucked it up. They yeah. they sold it off the back of a truck or they uh, broke it or whatnot. So it got to Jacksonville and then they canceled his order and refunded his money. So he had to order a new soundboard. So anyway, the the little um, 24-inch TV that we bought to play to, to airplay clips on, unfortunately, we can't use yet. So, uh, but there was this guy. In, it is coming though. Uh, someone in North Carolina hacked a billboard and it is the funniest freaking shit. So there's there's one. Okay. Awesome. This is on a digital billboard in North Carolina with a picture of the uh, Black Hawk taking off from the top of the Afghan embassy and Joe Biden eating an ice cream cone next to it. Going. uh, And then there's another one um, of him like looking through the blinds. Anyway, they've been running these uh, Joe Biden memes on this billboard in North Carolina for like two days now. It is hysterical. But you know, it's it's the little things. It's just whatever you can do to speak out to to for the moment peaceful non-compliance. And I say for Absolutely. the moment, but peaceful non-compliance. Stand up. Do not comply. So, for example, right now, uh, Biden is going to require vaccines for all nursing home staff in America, with a new mandate to cut Medicaid and Medicare funding if they don't comply. So. Nursing homes are already understaffed. They are underpaid. They are overworked. They get shit all the time. And honestly, they don't treat the residents all that well, at least in the ones that are state funded. The private ones, the ones with the money, they're they're pretty good. But the state funded ones, not so much. So now Biden is saying that if they want to continue to receive that funding, the federal funding through Medicare and Medicaid, every single worker has to get the COVID jab. How's that going to go over? How's the mandate in New York City going over? Because that started yesterday. You can no longer go into a bar or a club well, or that's eat dinner. Not necessarily a mandate. That's that's like a without a vaccine passport. Correct. That's not necessarily a mandate. That was like, look, you can't go in there without a, your papers. Your you papers, have to you have papers, to go in there please. with papers. So, so I, I have to ask all all of our friends in New York, and I know we have a bunch of listeners. You know, a lot of people just haven't been paying attention. They don't watch the news because they're tired of the fear porn. They, they're just, they're, they're playing the ostrich. They stick their head in the sand. They go on and live their lives because it hasn't affect directly affected them until now. Well, now, now it's directly affecting them. So please, our friends in New York, tell me what you see. Tell, tell us the stories that you're seeing. Email us, mcvlin at gmail.com. Um, hop on the Patriot Party podcast chat and, uh, on our Telegram uh, hit me up on Twitter at VLinkQ. Let me know what you're seeing on the, the ground in New York because, you know, the news media is not going to report it. You know, people that freak out when they go to go to a club and they can't get in because they don't have a vaccine passport on their phone. And how is that not racist? That's what I want to know. Because you you want the lowest population that is currently unvaccinated is the African-American community. They're only like 26% vaccinated, something like that. Right. And you have to get an ID to go get your COVID jab. You can't say that. That's racist. The Democrats are racist. You can't say that though, because that's racist. I don't give a fuck. I I really don't care what I say. You can call me whatever you want. I don't give a shit. Well, I know that, but I'm I'm just saying that's racist. I I gotcha. I gotcha. The bigger part of this is like, all right, so you get your COVID jab up in New York and I saw like a store this morning on Fox news. We were watching Fox news this morning and there was like the store that like, they were like, we don't care 
what your vaccine status is. And we also don't care if you wear a mask or not. And they're letting them in. Well, they've got 30 days before the law actually goes. They have like a 30 day buffer period where they can't get a ticket. But after that 30 days, if they get a ticket, uh, this lady, she owns like a coffee and a donut shop somewhere in midtown Manhattan. Yep. Uh, if she's the manager, she's not even the owner. Yeah. If after 30 days, you know, they get a ticket or, a or anything else, they, they can get arrested. Uh, essentially, by what the New York state law is, they can get arrested. Uh, I, I just find it funny that Biden all of a sudden is requiring this for that. And then um, what was the other thing I read? I read something else earlier tonight about uh, Biden saying uh, he just mandated it for somebody else. too. Uh, well, um, I don't know about, about a mandate, but, um, you know, we got some we got some fun chats on our, our Telegram channel when I posted this. Because guess what, babe? What? It's time for your kill shot. Yeah, I know. I saw that. It's time for your booster shot. So anyone who got the COVID jab eight months ago at the initial rollout, which includes Mick, you're now due for a booster. Yep. So all of you that called us conspiracy theorists when we said that the booster shots were coming, guess what? The booster shots were here. So initially they rolled it out, and this was just in the last couple of days, for just the immunocompromised. So basically, if you weren't sick enough for the first two jabs to kill you, they're counting on the third to do it. Welcome to 1935 Germany, where they rolled the immunocompromised, the elderly, the that disabled. That was actually 33, but 33, yeah. 33, the retarded, the, you know, and what, you know, basically anyone who is a drain on society who costs more money to keep up than what they provided to the society went in the door of a, a, a wellness center, um, a health facility, went in the door and then went right out the back into the crematorium. Yep. Sometimes they were still alive when they went into the fires. They were given. But well, there's more to this, actually. There's actually more to that story. Got more to this to add because we, we now do live out under a dictator. Because you brought that up. But then there was also this story that dropped tonight, and this is the one I was talking about. Biden threatens legal action against governors who ban forcing school children to wear face masks. So right now, governors who ban school school masks, the school mask mandate could face legal action from the federal government. Um, first of all, that's illegal to begin with. You cannot do that. That's unconstitutional. Uh, he doesn't Joe, care about that. Joe, grab the Constitution. Read the fucking Constitution. He is now grasping at straws to make this Afghanistan thing disappear. He is doing everything in his power to make this Afghanistan thing disappear. Apparently, he gave a COVID speech today, which I didn't watch. But. Uh, this includes urging oversight authority on legal action, if appropriate, against governors trying to block the or intimidate local school officials and educators who are requiring masks to the classroom, Biden said in remarks to the White House. We're not going to sit by while governments try to block and intimidate educators from protecting our children. No, no, no. You're going to sit in the corner and shut up and fucking continue to eat your ice cream cone, dumbass. Uh, the rest of us are going to go on continuing to live our lives. Folks, and protecting our own children. Folks, the first thing I... masks. The first thing I read to you from C.S. Lewis is about no fear. Let me read the last two lines one more time for you, because just in case you missed it, okay? <laughs> Chatting with their friends over a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. Not, let me, let me reword that just a little bit for C.S. so it makes more sense for today. Not huddled together like frightened sheep 
thinking about a virus. Folks, no fear. Where is that? We we used to not have it. I, I remember back in the day, I, you know, my parents were so sure that sending me to a chicken pox party was fine. I wasn't going to die from it. I get the chicken pox and be all right. One thing after another, who cares? You move right on. Not a big deal. You get sick for a little while, boom, you're healed up, you're done. And now you don't have to worry about it because you got immunity to it. Where is this? This fear has come from somewhere in this country. And I, I always, I think about it this way, and I know this sounds crazier than fuck, but I'm going to say it anyway. You, you know how people are so concerned with suing somebody else. Yeah. You broke my nose. I'm going to sue you for it. Then it, it's gotten so potent now that this has gone past suing. Now we're to the point where if you don't think the same way I think, you're going to be canceled. Well, canceled, this literally put in jail. The freaking DOJ came out last week and said that I, I know, I know, all I know. terrorists. Stop. Again, it goes back to this. It all started with this ability to sue everybody. Like everybody's so scared because understand what the underlying thing here, for instance, I was going to read you the story or read some parts of the story because just in case you list, you live in Vegas, you listen to us for our Vegas fans out there that are Raiders fans. Uh, guess what? If you have season tickets and you're not getting the jab, well, you might as well go ahead and wipe your ass with those season tickets because guess what? That's what they're worth because they're not going to let you in the stadium without a vaccine passport. They're the first NFL team to do this. Vegas has a football team? Yeah. The Raiders moved from LA to Vegas. Okay, I missed that. Yeah, you obviously been out of it for a hot I mean, minute. I don't really give a shit about football. Anyway, <laughs> but the point is, is here we are at this point where the whole reason that they're doing this, though, is because they're worried about being sued. They're worried about somebody civilly suing someone else. They're not worried about criminal consequences. They're not worried about any of that shit. They are worried about the civil liability that they bring to it. If I were these NFL owners and these guys that own these stadiums, I'd be having you sign a fucking statement as you walked in or when you got your tickets. You would sign this thing like, look, you catch COVID here, tough shit. That's up to you. You either come in vaccinated, you come in with a mask, or you deal with whatever consequences you get while you're here. Period. And that's it. Okay. So I, I, I have something to add to that. So, you know, when you walk in now to any business in Georgia, and I walk past the sign every day as I yep. go into work, it says it's... that the business has no liability yep. if you contract COVID on the, on the premises, right? Correct. But when our um, esteemed mayor, fucking jackass, put a most recent mask mandate in in Savannah... And they, you know, it was all over the news. There's a mask mandate in Savannah and everyone was freaking out. They had them take those signs down. Well, it's no, no, those signs are still up, but it's only for government buildings. Okay. It's only for city government buildings and for transportation. For the things he controls. But he also mandated it for transportation on the trolleys. Correct. Which is private, which he cannot do under the law. Not true because he, uh, he no, gives, no, no, he, no, no, the tro- the, hold on. Listen. So the trolley tours, the trolley companies, um, because they were asked by the tourism board, why are you letting this happen? You don't have to follow this mask mandate. And you know what they said? We don't want the publicity uh, to fight it. Technically 
he does have the authority to do that because where do they get their license to operate within the city limits? They get their license from the city, in which case the mayor most certainly has that he can consider that part of public transportation, privatized company or not. He can still consider that public transportation. For instance, get this one. You ready for this one? Guess what? You have to wear a mask on the trolley, right? Yeah. Where don't you have to wear a mask? Where you would think you would absolutely have to wear a mask. Where? In Navyville's. And we're a privatized company as well. And guess what? You don't have to wear a ma mask on an ambulance. However, if you're on a trolley, you have to wear a mask. See, but if that license thing holds true, then he should be able to mandate a mask in every every business across the city because no. we all get our business licenses from him. No, no, no. From the city. No, they get their business li license from the county commissioner, not from the city. The business license comes from the county commissioner. The license to operate a trolley service or a service where you you have people on it and you're driving around downtown. That comes from the city. That does not come from their business license still comes from the county. Hmm. Their oper their license to operate as a vehicle transporting people comes from the city. So he has the right to do that. What he doesn't have the right to do though, for why I don't know, because what's an ambulance? An ambulance is nothing more than a limo to the fucking hospital. hospital. Yeah. It's a really weird looking one, but it's still a limo to the hospital. Well, regardless, when the trolley company was asked why they wouldn't fight it, they said they didn't want the publicity. I think that's retarded on the trolley company's part because they should have. I, I agree. They absolutely should have. Because you would kill the... Oh, well, I don't know. But if if you want to know how... To, but they've how been suffering. They've been suffering for so long. I, I can, In one way, I kind of understand it. Yeah. They've been way down in their sales. They they finally they got, got people shut down for a year. Yeah, they finally got people coming back. They're probably on their last legs. They're trying to find a way to keep their heads above water. They're probably just now figuring it out like, "Hey, look, if we just keep our mouth shut, we go through." But that's kind of part of the problem, people. Yeah. This will not happen without sacrifice. There has to be some sacrifice on our part. Uh whether it's a personal sacrifice, whether it's a business sacrifice, there has to be sacrifice for us to get to the next level. And the next level for us is pushing back in peaceful protest uh, against stupid orders like this. And there's a lot of crap going on right now. People are fighting back. It's happening. Yeah, like this lady. It's interesting to see all of you with masks now. It's not a social distance. What's the deal? I bet you when you're in a restaurant over the weekend, you didn't have your mask on, did you? Anyway, I was told tonight to be nice. I find it hard to be nice when I think of my kid being able to breathe all day in school. I would lay down my life for my child. And when I see tyranny like this, it is my child, my choice. Let me give you an example. Your chairwoman or vice chair who isn't here today. She is very proud to be earned the Planned Parenthood Advocates of Virginia's endorsement, access to reproductive care, to protect the rights of everybody. So when it comes to abortion, she's okay, my body, my choice. But when it comes to our children, man, let's get back to this is about masks. When it's my body, my kid's body, his choice. I'm the parent. That's on topic. Don't disrupt me. You always do that. I'm talking about masks. I'm trying to be nice, but stop cutting them off. She's pissed. Hey, 
more power. This is that's I it. Get that's, pissed. This is what it's about. That's that's what it's about right there. That is it. That is the end all be all of this whole thing. People do not real liberals do not realize what they're doing. Uh, I was I was watching Midway the other day, and I I saw the part right after Pearl Harbor where uh, Admiral uh, uh, Yamamoto in Japan he's sitting there and he goes I I feel that we have we've done nothing but awaken the sleeping dragon, and he has. It, it, the most assurant resolve and he couldn't have been more right. He couldn't have been more looking into a crystal ball. If he hadn't no, he pissed off so many Americans that day, uh, th- that day, December 1941 that, that set it off. That was the beginning of the end for him. He knew that Japan was screwed. He knew he could not get in a long protracted war with the United States after doing some shit like that. And think that everything was going to work out okay for him. The fact that that happened and everything took place the way it did is part of it. But that's what this is. This is what the liberals do not realize. Their playbook does not work anymore. You all are waking up, hearing, seeing, looking at the playbook. That's why I'm telling these Republicans, stop, stop. Don't do, don't file any paperwork against Joe. Let the liberals do it. For once, let us show that there is a playbook. They're playing by their playbook, and their playbook is this. They're done with Joe. Joe has outlived his usefulness. Now it's watch what they do next. And let's see how many people are right about what comes next. Well, I hope I'm not right, but I fear I will be. So No, you can't black pill it. No, I have to because— Because Tara on the chat said, uh, V. Lynn, please tell me what black pill rabbit hole Mick wouldn't let you end on. I can't. No. Yep. No. I promised her that I would tell her in this episode. So um, here we go. Folks, I'm sorry about this. All right. So I I had Because she's crazier than hell. I had a very long conversation with my aunt who basically raised me. She was like my second mother. Um, And my uncle died. Oh, would have been March. And I went up to Atlanta for the funeral. Um, and I surprised her. She didn't expect me to come, but of course I went, you know, she's like my second mother. And I walked in and the first thing she said to me, because I was not wearing a mask was, have you been vaccinated? And I was like, have you lost your mind? Fuck no. And she was like, oh, that's right. You're allergic. Okay. And the only people in the funeral that weren't wearing masks were ones that had been vaccinated at that point. And they were all so proud, like they were wearing a fucking V pin on their chest. Right. So fast forward now, um, months later, and my aunt's starting to figure things out. Um, she's she was already she was always a conservative. She was always a Republican. And mind you, before she continues, because she hasn't said this part yet, her aunt was a nurse for a number of years. A yes. number of I, I don't even know how many is that many. Like over thirty years, she was thirty years a practicing nurse, and uh, once some stuff had made the news, she started looking at it and that's where she finally started waking up going, wait a minute. And, and I sent her our podcast. Actually, that's how I got kicked off Facebook as I sent it to her through instant messenger. Um, I probably should have texted it to her, but anyway, that's, that booted me off Facebook, but she started listening as well. Um, so in our conversation the other day, she told me that she's come to realize that she thinks that the shot killed my uncle Kevin because he died 
24 days after his shot. And they had no intention of getting it because they went all through COVID. They went a year with no issues, no problems. They really didn't leave the house very much. They're retired. He was diabetic, didn't really take the best care of it. Um, he wasn't in the best health, but he wasn't on death's door either. So uh, he was getting closer, but it definitely, he he would have had some more time. He'd probably still be here today. But every time they went to the doctor, they got pressured and pressured and pressured. Well, he can get exposed just from being here. She's like, this is the only place we go. Doesn't matter. You should do it for, you know, for his safety, for his health, this, that, and the other. So they both went and got vaccinated. And within three weeks, his kidneys shut down entirely. He had to be on dialysis. Um, his heart rate was erratic, which is something that we've talked about at length yep. that this causes. And he ended up with rapid onset gallbladder cancer, which is what killed him. So, and just another example, folks. I hate being right. Like, if you if you watch like daytime TV at all, and unfortunately when I'm at the firehouse, that's all I've got time to do. But um, I always see Tom Selleck on there talking about reverse mortgages and shit like that. They bring people on to tell old people that to make them feel safer about what they're doing with their money. Well, the same thing happens every time they go to a hospital or they go to the doctor's office. It's the same thing. They bring out a, some someone official that looks smart because they're wearing a fucking lab coat, even though their last class was in gonorrhea and they have no idea what they're fucking talking about. And uh, they bring these people out and they parade them in front of them and they pressure them the same way that people pressure people to do other things, old people with their money. It's the same thing. It's no different. It's the same tactic. and. It is to end out the way it is. Long story short, she got the vaccine as well. And now there's uh, quite a bit of buyer's remorse and, uh, or Biden remorse and, as and I've come to call that, it. And not just that, but also survivor guilt. Yeah. And you know a lot about survivor guilt. And the other part of it is that she also has to realize too, I mean, medically, how is it going to affect her? She's not in the best health either. Not, not since the jab. So now she's got stomach cancer. It's all... I, I'm just saying with no other sign, she never had cancer before. Now, all of a sudden she's got stomach cancer from after a shot. I mean, that I, I can't, I can't a hundred percent say everything that anybody can tell you. This is just like the flat earth thing. Look, yes. Everybody tells you the people that tell you that the earth is round. They're also the same government that you don't trust about the jab. So if you can't trust them about the jab, you can't trust them about the earth being round. Just like with the jab, they tell you everything else about the drug and how great it is, yet everything we found out about the drug is completely the opposite of what they said. Yeah, just ask uh, Greg Abbott, yeah. who, who just tested positive for COVID. Well, and then, then they were joking about it on CNN because apparently it's funny on CNN, and they said, well, he can just chew down some hydroxychloroquine. You know, that'll just heal him. That's a great idea. Actually, that is a great that idea. Should. Hey, Greg, yeah. you should go ahead. And actually, I got a comment. There was a comment to me, too. There was one about I had a message for Trump last episode, and I didn't pass it along. I will pass it along right now. You're absolutely right, and I'm trying to remember the guy who said that. Uh, either way, the Trump message is this. Uh, Mr. President, if you're even listening to us, um, which I've heard that you've heard a couple of our episodes, um, I beg of you, sir, this time, when you get reelected in 2024, which I'm pretty sure is going to happen, uh, because I'm pretty sure we're not going to deal with this fuck up much longer. Anyway, um, really quick, do us a favor. When you get in the White House, bring a couple trusted people with you. 
fire every other swinging dick that is in the administration. I mean, I don't care who they are. Fire them. I don't care if they're in charge of the meter maids across the United States. Fire them. Fire everybody who could be involved with the swamp. You want to clean out the swamp? Start there. Clean it out. Get rid of everybody. Fire every swinging dick that's sitting in there that has been occupying an office for I don't care how long. I don't care what somebody tells you about that person. Oh, well, he's a great dude. Well, he's a great dude who can go find another job somewhere else because he's not working here anymore. Bring your own people in this time, please. You do not need the backstabbing that you dealt with in your last administration. And that's all we've heard about is your fucking backstabbing that was going on. We keep hearing more and more. And it started with your own VP. And I know you know this, and I know 90% of America knows this. So please, fire everybody. Start out brand new all the way across the board. I want to see you sitting in the Oval Office the first day, not signing bills or taking away Biden's stupid policies that he's put in place. I want to see you signing resignation letters to people saying you no longer have a job here in the United States. That's what I want to see. If you happen to sign some arrest warrants at the same time, I am down with that as well. I'd rather see him signing some warrants. But uh, funny, a stunning new poll reveals that, and this isn't so stunning, uh, Trump would win the election if it was held today, April 18th, as nearly one in 10 Democrats regret their 2020 vote. Well, that's not a lot of Democrats because we know that a lot of Democrats didn't vote for him. So not not for Donald Trump, but I mean for Joe Biden. Exactly. So that's just like the other 35,000 that actually voted for. Uh, and that, and as well as 12% of moderates and 14% of black Americans. Yeah. Biden remorse is, is trending even harder now than it ever was before. A um, couple little things before we wrap up. I know that was some, some housekeeping. And uh, so two things, um, some comments. Well, first we got a, an email from a listener of ours whose wife is going to be is going to be faced with a mandated vaccine here by oh, October yeah. in Colorado. Um, I've reached out to Clay Clark and I, you know, I was listening to union of the unwanted last week and they had someone on there that was talking about a, um, a well, coalition of lawyers that are looking to, to fight, yep. to fight back. So um, I'm going to, um, I put out some emails there as well. Um, and we're, we're actually we're reaching out to some other people. Corey, uh, um, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Cordy Williams, Cordy Williams. Yeah. We're, we're, we're reaching out to him too, because I know I, I, I don't remember exactly if he's a lawyer or not, but I think that's how he started out. But there, if he's not a lawyer, he's a lot closer to, uh, this was in Colorado, I believe yeah. is where, where they were. Yeah. He's um, in California. He's in California, but close. he's a lot closer to Colorado yeah. than we are. And he probably knows a lawyer. We're reaching out to him as well. We've got his contact information. We met him when we were down at Clay Clark's thing in Tampa. Um, uh, as well as Thomas Rents and yeah. we had done them. We're, um, so we've, we've sent, we're out reaching out. All we're trying to get we're, out for you. Trying. But in the meantime, if anyone else that's listening to us, Knows a lawyer in Colorado that's itching for a good patriot fight. Please um, send us a is, name. Let us know, and and we'll pass it on to this guy who needs our help right now. This because- is uh, like, folks, listen. I'm, no, no joke. If you know a lawyer that is like 
dead set against this, the jab and he and is, is licensed to practice law in Colorado. That's, that's a big part, but cause I don't want to get him a lawyer that has nothing to do with that. I'd rather have a lawyer that he actually, and especially, uh, the, the circumstances surrounding it. And I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to air his laundry all over the place, but just the circumstances alone are enough for me to say, yeah, no, we've got to find somebody. Somebody out there knows somebody who's willing to do something like this. There's got to be a lawyer out there. I cannot believe that there's not. So we're looking. Um, if we get any information, we'll pass it on to you. But like I said, anybody else that listens to us, if you know a lawyer, let us know, please. Absolutely. Um, our dear friend, Deplorable Janet, commented on the last episode. Great episode as always, my friends. Much love. We love you too, Janet. Of course. Always. And actually I was just, I just got done listening to her last episode with, with Casey? Uh, Casey. Yeah. And um, I, I liked how you opened that, Janet. I told you you could use, you could name drop me anytime you want and get you in good with the girls. I told you that. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to that one yet, but I, it is on my list of things to listen to here soon. So, um, QAnon Jack, our good friend, Jack, um, God breathed life into them, then they stood up. Matthew eleven eleven. He said, I still see eleven eleven all the time. I do believe we are on the righteous path. Remember last yep, episode yeah, we talked yep, about eleven eleven. Eleven eleven means uh, the angels I are watching. Just saw eleven eleven again. I, I know. I I saw it about twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Twenty seven minutes ago. Um, so uh that was uh that's that's really that's a good one, Jack. He breathed life into them and then they stood up because that's, that's what we need to do right now. We, we all need to stand up. You know, it can't, it can't just be us. That's all from revelations. That's oh, the start of revelations. Oh yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to be reading the Bible again before we bring Clay Clark on. Um, hey, good luck, week. babe. There's no way that either you I'm or I are going to be able to keep up with him. the whole thing. I know. And, and he is a freaking encyclopedia. I know. I just, I want to, I want to freshen up on some revelations. And um, actually I was listening to the book of Enoch today when I was at work. So rather than listening to Janet, sorry, Janet. Um, the, oh, the you got Bible. pushed off for the Bible. Oh man. <laughs> and not even the real Bible because it's the book of Enoch. I know. Janet, Janet, you better uh, go and know. yell at her. Come and beat me, please. I miss you. Um, and you do uh, have to come back out here, Janet. Yes, most definitely. We got to do a joint podcast with you in our house and we'll just kind of sit around the table and bullshit. Yes. So we're going to have, we're going to have Clay Clark on, um, and then one other thing that I wanted to touch on real quick, and this pissed Mick off earlier. So I posted this in our telegram as a pretend Catholic myself living oh, yeah, actual yeah, Catholics. Yeah, let me yeah. say that Pope Francis has little to no regard for human life. And I'm actually going to play um, a clip of him real quick, but uh, before I get there, so this article came out from the national Catholic reporter and the fact that I got this article and not make when he's a Catholic and not me is I think interesting, but regardless, Catholics have no grounds to claim exemption from COVID vaccine mandate. Uh, concerns regarding recently instituted or expected mandatory vaccination policies for COVID-19 by various governmental and institutional authorities, including Catholic healthcare systems and universities have been voiced by the Catholic Medical Association, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, and the bishops of Colorado. Just Colorado? These statements either critique the mandates themselves, casting them as a form of authoritative authoritative overreach or call for wide allowance of religious moral exemptions. 
There is, however, no sufficient moral reason for Catholics to request such an exemption. So wait a minute. Hold on a second. So there's no moral reason. The vaccine is used with aborted fetuses, correct? Yes, aborted fetuses. Stop. Listen. So fresh aborted fetuses and uh there's no moral exemption. No moral exemption. We don't believe in abortion as Catholics. We actually are completely anti abortion and And not doing not just to believe in abortion, but um, we don't believe in the violent and horrendous dismemberment of live children, living babies. Uh, I, I'm government not, research. I'm, 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 I'm having a tough time with you right now, Catholic Church, because I, I don't... Here, have, have, a, have a tough time with us. Here's the Pope. Okay, he's speaking Portuguese. He's saying getting vaccinated against COVID-19 is an act of love. Uh, Did yeah. you hear a more an act of love? So such an obligation is fundamentally grounded in the gospel's call for each of us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Insofar as loving oneself entails a moral obligation to use proportionate means to safeguard one own, one's own life and health, Christians are called to love others by taking proportionate means to safeguard their lives and health. Okay, again, I'm going to go ahead and stop you because you need to stop with all of that because that's... This is literally coming out all right. of so it's coming out of the... article. No, it's coming from the Vatican. It is coming is, from the Vatican. Is it, again... Which is, also ha- was busted with a, a child sex trafficking ring in the freaking Rose Gardens of the Vatican. So it, it's just I don't an hear office. It. It's not necessarily the Catholic Church. It's not... It is not the church. It's not the church. No it's longer. not what the church believes. If it ever me. was, it is no longer. So. It's sorry. a little disheartening this year, but. I know. I And you know what? It, it only makes me more glad that we pulled our kid out of school to homeschool him. You know, I, I mean, again. Well, no, it doesn't make like, me happy, like but I, I love the school, but. And the, the teachings are fine. It's not like the teachers are any different. It's just that, that's got nothing to do. Those are two completely separate entities. Like I said, the Vatican is not the Catholic Church. It is the headquarters of a man who lives on this earth who sins just like you and I do. More. And that's saying something. Yeah, well, especially for <laughs> in my case. No kidding. All right. Anyway, I think we've beat this. Horse to death, and yes, I it's got my laying in the water. Moment, and at the end, I even got you down now. So All right, babe. well, folks, we'll do that at the beginning next time. Uh, we still got Clay Kirk coming up uh, next week, and, and then the week after that, we've David got Weiss, David Weiss, Flatter and then Dave. we uh, also so excited still haven't Flatter heard Dave. our uh, Dan and Naki. Um, no, and I, I texted him, but I didn't get a response. So, so we're still waiting to hear on that one where hey, that Dan, one's at. What the fuck happened to our episode? Yeah, it's supposed really to drop on the thirteenth. Yeah, of August, which was Friday the thirteenth, and we're, you know, it kind of plays into your dates and all. Just throwing it out there, B. Anyway, either way, okay. uh, for the Mick and V Lynn, uh, y'all have a good night, and we will. Uh, we're just not going to take it. Not going to take it. Thanks for listening. Good night.